This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Up first, usually we start with a, a hard news story off the top of the program, but today we're going we're gonna to lighten things up just a little bit. Not that the reason and the meaning behind this subject matter isn't intense because it is about connection and that connection that we're all craving. I mean, at the root of the frustration around this pandemic as we enter year three certainly has to be um, how we miss one another and how when we are together, we're kind of afraid to get close. That connection, that hug, that handshake, that high five, that dancing together in a mosh pit or screaming together at a sporting event or or singing in a choir, or being together to say goodbye to somebody who's passed. There's so much about the connection that can be so painfully lost uh, in a time of a pandemic. It is unprecedented for us as humans to to feel this, in this generation at least. Uh, Pete Bombacci is the founder of GenWell Project. This is a really incredible initiative that is absolutely free. This is the coolest part about this. You can get in on this just with a few clicks. So let's bring Pete in on the program. Thanks for doing this, Pete. Welcome. Uh, Jody, it's so great to be here with you. And honestly, you gave me chills with that introduction, all those little things that we're missing uh, each and every day in our lives right now. People are so starved of this. And I had an opportunity. It was a mutual friend of ours, uh, Pete Quenville, who uh, pointed you out, point out, pointed out the Genwell project and said, you know, look into this if you, if you think, you know, there might be space for it on, on the radio and then swimming around in what you're doing. Give us a little bit of a lay of the land. How did you start Genwell, first and foremost? Yeah, well, back in, uh, back in 2016, after uh, I, I used to oversee the Movember campaign here in Canada and, uh, and used to spend some time in the beverage alcohol industry. And what I saw through all of those common uh, work experiences was that when we brought people together, whether it was to have a, have, a, have a beverage and celebrate a game or whether it was over a common theme and a purpose like growing mustaches and making a difference in the world, what I saw was when we brought people together, it was the happiest times in their lives. And so when I did a little more research, what you start to see, and most of the research is only in the last 20 years, that none of us really understand just how important human connection is for our health and happiness. It's the single largest indicator of happiness. It reduces anxiety and depression, increases empathy, compassion, resilience, strengthens our immune system, increases our chances of living longer by up to 50%. And with all that knowledge and already having seen it in my other aspects of my career, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, we've been educating people to stay physically active and we've told them to eat well. We've had the food guide since 1942, participation since 1971. But now we're saying that social connection is a greater uh, determinant or a greater impact on our health than smoking obesity and high blood pressure. And yet, Jody, none of us have ever been educated on it. And that's why we launched the movement in 2016. As you pointed out in the intro, we're free of charge. What we want to do is spread this message because people, especially coming out of this global pandemic, need to understand just how important human connection is for our health. 
our happiness, our longevity, and maybe even more importantly, is to the health, happiness, and longevity of the people around you. It's really quite something, honestly, in, in taking some time over the last couple of days and diving through your website, which, by the way, genwellproject.org, G-E-N-W-E-L-L project.org, genwellproject.org. There's a lot there for people. It, it Even just the visuals that you have on your site, I got to say, Pete, like congratulations on putting together a feel-good um I want I want in is that's how I felt when I was when I was uh, reading along and I, and I thought you know what this is something that one can do even if somebody maybe has some social anxiety maybe if somebody is is a little bit reclusive or has sort of shrunk their friend group down or maybe gone through some turbulent times uh, in their lives and are trying to find that reconnection piece there is legitimately something for everyone at genwellproject.org. I think it is the uh, the epitome of inclusive. But before we dive into the, the nuts and bolts, I'm going to keep you around for another segment here, but the toxicity of what we think we're doing with the connection online uh, cannot be ignored. I mean, yes, of course, the Zoom call at five o'clock with the girlfriends because we can't get physically together um, is, is, is a stopgap, but it's also kind of hurt us in ways as well. Yeah, Jody, it's it's so first off, yes, not all technology is bad and and right now, thank goodness that we've had technology through the global pandemic because I would hate to see uh the levels of anxiety and depression that we would see in society today if we didn't have that opportunity to supplement those face-to-face connections that we will get back to and that's the hope. That is the aspiration that we all need to be thinking about is I can't wait to get back together with my family, with my friends, my colleagues, my neighbors, you know, but there's other things that we can do each and every day that can help us, uh, you know, work our way away from some of the things that are distracting us like social media, like 24 hour news channels, all the things that keep us away from doing the thing that the research now tells us is the greatest thing you can do for your happiness and health, which is actually connecting with other people. And and we can do it, you know, uh, through a physically distant walk. But what we do when we connect with other people is we put context around the challenges. It helps us get out of our own heads because we're not usually very kind to ourselves when when we're in our own heads. And it helps us find solutions and build resilience. And if there's one thing that we need right now as we continue through these ups and downs, of the global pandemic is we need to help each other build our resilience and we do that by having great conversations with people who we who we know and even you know we just did a study in june of this past year may and june talking to strangers this is i love this stat just talking to strangers increases your likelihood and this is once a week if you talk to strangers once a week it increases your likelihood of being happy by three times three times Jody Vanson for Mike Smith, and we are talking Gen Well Project, genwellproject.org. Uh, Pete Bombacci is my guest, and he is the founder of Gen Well Project. And Pete, just before the break, uh, we were talking about sort of the impetus behind the creation of this movement. Let's talk now about the specifics. And, and this is so relevant to all ages, whether it's students or families or businesses, uh, young and old, Uh, everybody is starved for that face-to-face connection. And yes, we will put the caveat here that with Omicron being as transmissible as it is, obviously public health measures must be at play when making plans. However, uh, the Genwell Project gives opportunity and really a platform for ideas on how to connect. Lay that out for us a little, if you don't mind. 
Yeah, it's, and, and the big part of it, Jody, is really just about sharing this information. As I mentioned off the top, most of us don't understand. We don't think about social connection as a key pillar in our wellness and our health. So we think about exercise, we think about eating well, obviously not smoking, all those things, drinking some water, getting some good night's sleep, and all those things are really important. But if I told you that it's nearly 50% of people across all demographics, when we launched this campaign, a lot of people said, well, you're a senior's campaign. And I said, well, we are, but here's the problem. Telling seniors that they're lonely and isolated doesn't help seniors. What we need to do is educate the rest of us that we need to make the time to go and spend with our seniors. And that works across the entire demographic of society. We are all struggling. Our research last May and June showed that it's nearly 50% across all demographics and 65% of people believe that most people have no idea how lonely they feel. So right. if it's not you, it's me. And if it's not me or you, it's the person beside us. And so, this is why we need to make this such a common action that we do where we lift our heads from our phones when we walk by somebody and we just say, hey, how you doing? Nice shirt. Love your hat. Great scarf. Yeah. <laughs> Have a nice day. Happy New Year. How are you? People are sometimes surprised by that when you just throw down the, you know, I talk to people's dogs. I'm the crazy dog lady. So that's always a good icebreaker when going for that walk, getting out in the trees, being social in a safe way in a pandemic is a struggle for some people. And and you really help with that at the Genwell Project. Uh, Genwellproject.org is the website. Let me just throw that in there so that people can use it as a resource because you actually create sort of that Put it in your day timer, make it at a prior, making it a priority, gathering your couple of people together, maybe someone you haven't seen in forever, and you just walk the seawall. Aren't we lucky to live in an environment uh, most days, as I look out my window to a blanket of snow, <laughs> most days we are uh, walkable 365 days a year as long as you got a good raincoat. Yeah, our goal is to make people more conscious and intentional about their human connection. So you're spot on. Hey, start, start, start small by maybe talking to strangers, but maybe find a friend and put it into your calendar. One of the things that's created such burnout with our Zoom meetings is the fact that 65% of the connections that we made every day pre-pandemic were not people that we had scheduled to see. They were the run-in, the casual collisions at the coffee shop walking down the street, close to your home, your neighbor, the person that you worked with somewhere in the past, but you ran into them at a restaurant. All of those, all of those connections that you had throughout the course of your day filled up our lives. It made you realize that you weren't alone in this big old world. And it also reflected back on you that people love seeing you, that they're happy to see you. And we've lost, all that was wiped out. And as we get back into these restrictions, it again takes away these moments of joy from our lives. So we need to be conscious. We need to say, hey, Jody, how about you and I, every Tuesday, 3 o'clock, I'm going to give you a call. It may be 10 minutes, it could be an hour. But let's put them in so it doesn't have to be always, oh, who can I call now? Because when we need it most is actually when we're probably struggling with something, you know, in our heads or in our lives. And that's when we're least likely to want to reach out. So if we have those occasions in our calendar ready to go, then you can be sure that it'll be there for you when you need it. Oh, that is great advice. Pete Bombacci is the founder of Genwell Project. If you're listening right now and thinking, I need this in my life, genwellproject.org absolutely free and uh, connection in a way that is meaningful. So much to uh, point to in that last statement you made, because people often will say, I don't have time. I don't have time. Yeah. And if you find the time to prioritize that connection, 
It can be the difference. And you can cancel if you don't have time, if it's stressing you out. You can say not today. How about tomorrow? But you got to put it in there. Yeah, 110%. Here's another one is uh, Dr. Vivek Murthy, who's the Surgeon General in the U.S. Also, he had a statement at a recent webinar I was watching. He said, we all have the opportunity to heal. And a lot of us have sought purpose in our lives as we've gone through the global pandemic. We've had things ripped, our routines have been ripped out of our lives. If it might be a struggle for you to reach out because you're, uh, you know, not in the right headspace, also think about the impact that you can have on other people. Yeah. You know, when you know somebody's going through a divorce, maybe they've lost a job, maybe they've got, you know, <laughs> we're homeschooling kids here in Toronto and, you know, homeschooling kids while you're trying to get a job done and, you know, isn't easy. And so if we can think about other people, if you now understand how important social connection is for people's well-being, maybe today's the day you pick up the phone and you call one person. Because we all have that long list of people that we've been meaning to see, meaning to call. And so now's the opportunity. Hey, after you hear this conversation on the station, pick up your phone, pull over your car to the side of the road, pick up the phone, call somebody and just say, hey, I was thinking about you. How are you doing? Because we're all going through this together. It's another benefit of the pandemic. You know, when you go through a divorce, you go through it alone in many cases, if you, you understand what I'm, I'm saying. Whereas the pandemic, there's nobody who hasn't been impacted. Right. So you have a reason to pick up the phone and call anybody right now and just say, hey, Jody, how are you doing? What's yeah. going on? Tell me. Let's talk about it because we're all going through something right now. And let's connect. Let's connect and walk it out and talk it out. Let's walk it out and talk it out. Genwellproject.org. Pete, thank you for your time today. Uh, It was a goosebump conversation. I I enjoyed those, especially in this time of a pandemic. You take care of yourself. Thanks. Thank you so much, Jody. Hey there, Jody Vance with you. And for Mike this week, he will be back on Monday. Uh, Glad to have you along on a very snowy day. If you are out and about anywhere, really, in British Columbia, we are under a blanket of snow. I don't need to tell you that, but there's more coming. And over the next 24 hours or so, it is going to, depending where you are, switch to rain or freezing rain. We're going to get into it with the Weather Network's Tyler Hamilton coming up a little later on in the program and get the specifics of the forecast. But suffice it to say, if you don't have great winter tires on your vehicle, please don't drive. We're uh, seeing particularly around uh, Metro Vancouver right now, some real issues on the roads, uh, people getting stuck uh, and dealing in ways that are dangerous, frankly. So be careful out there. And if you can stay home, do it. Work from home uh, comes in a couple of forms in this sort of weather. Storms in BC, (laughs) becoming second nature, whether it's heat domes or atmospheric rivers, And now this blanket of snow that it will be warming up over the next while because we are the south coast of BC has struck our hearts about how our farmers in the Fraser Valley are dealing uh, barely a minute after having to deal with epic once in a generation uh, flooding right back into it now. With this weather, we thought, why not check in with the chair of the BC Dairy Farms and find out how everybody's faring. Holger Switchenberg is with us on the line. Thanks for doing this, Holger. Good morning. How you doing? Well, I was hoping that you might have an angle of being able to improve the weather a little bit. <laughs> I'm calling people. I'm telling you, I'm calling everybody I know. Fix this. Okay, thank no. you. <laughs> it's not fun anymore. No, it is very difficult for so many others. I mean, for kids... 
you know, not going back to school for another week. They're running around in snowball fights and sledding and, and getting outside and being safe outside. There's so much to be thankful for. And yet I can't imagine the struggle of trying to rebuild what was lost and, and, and manage our farms. How are BC's dairy farmers doing uh, in this rather chaotic snow cycle we find ourselves in? I think other parts of the province are probably used to some of the lower temperatures, but for the Fraser Valley, when things get to minus 15, 16, 17, I know personally speaking, that is uncharted waters. Um, our farm to about minus 10 or 11, I think we can deal with that. But at these lower temperatures, things start to happen that normally that you're just not prepared for. And then you start troubleshooting and plugging holes as they develop, whether it's frozen water lines or something in your home or something in your milking parlor. Yeah, you have to, again, roll up your sleeves and deal with it. And dealing with it on an, on another level after having already dealt with so much just in recent weeks and months. I think there's probably a certain level of frustration kicking in. But what do you do? I mean, you have to keep mo- you have to keep going. You're in an industry that goes 365, 24/7. You need to yeah. keep you need to keep plugging away at it. And um, and when we do, is there any way for regular everyday citizens like myself to assist to help? Is there something? to be done are you are you getting the support from government officials whether it be municipal or provincial in order to support those who are literally living in a broken situation and now uh, another extreme weather event well again i again i can't speak for the individual farms because i'm a little removed from that but in the cleanup continues of all the dairy farms that moved during the flood event all but one are milking again Provincial milk production is back to Great. somewhat normal levels. I think all I can ask you folks to do is to keep drinking milk as, as you can to support our industry. But the government, I mean, I think a remarkable event has been the opening again of the Coquihalla um, Highway as far as bedding and milk transportation and hay is concerned. So it, yeah, things have been moving along, but we still have a ways to go. We're with Holger Schwitchenberg, who is the chair of BC Dairy Farms, and that is good news right there. I mean, the upheaval that befell all British Columbians, but certainly hit industry here in BC in a major way, to know that the cycle of the 24-7 dairy farming um, procurement, if you will, that, that you and your fellow farmers do perennially to know that there is the feed, that there is the, the transport, that there is the distribution, that the supply chain is back is, is really remarkable. It is remarkable. And I think it's one less thing that the producer has to worry about. You know, you're going to get feed, you know, you're going to have bedding and the, the farmers from further North know that they're into the processor. And again, there are other issues to deal with with the snow and the cold, but that is one less thing to worry about, which is important, I think, just for your mental health. Yeah. A lot of people were very worried about the animals after the flooding, and rightfully so. Some of the visuals were just so heartbreaking. Um, ha- have things um, calmed in, in, in terms of, as you said, you can't speak to specific farms, obviously, but overarching is, is there worry or concern uh, in, in regard to uh, the cows at this point? Well, the animals, as long as you keep them out of the wind 
And I think what animals like the most is a constant temperature. So they don't like the fluctuations. So if your barn's at minus five or minus six and the animals are well bedded down and well fed, they're just, they're very content is you keeping them out of the wind and trying to keep the temperature constant. But for the most part, those animals are happy and comfortable. That's so, I'm glad to hear that because I was yeah. concerned. I'm thinking like on the coast, I'm, I'm a horse person. So yeah. uh, I'm regularly at a barn and I thought this is not a heated barn. These, you know, I worry for these, these animals, but they are, they are built for uh, managing temperatures that we wouldn't as long as they are protected from that wind. That is a good piece of the puzzle to I know about. It's were, interesting. Go ahead. If you were to ask a cow, I think they prefer minus 10 to standing belly deep in water. So I think that, that this is a, this is an improvement for them. Agreed. I, I just, just so you know, I just received a text from my significant other says, thank you for reminding me we're out of milk. So there you go. Reminding everybody <laughs> to support your BC dairy farmers. Uh, thank you, Holger, for your time today. And, uh, and really thank you to all of the farmers in British Columbia who are working so, so damn hard to make sure that those of us who have, you know, the ability to just go to the store at the end of the street and pick up what we need. You are so busy making that happen for us. We appreciate you. Super. Thanks for reaching out. Take care. Jody Vanson for Mike Smith, taking your emails to Jody at cknw.com. Any comments you might have on any of the subject matter we hit today, you can always call our buzz line, 604-331-BUZZ, 604-331-2899. We will play your voicemail messages at the end of the program. Now, very hot topic, masks. The evolution of what is an effective mask is a trajectory many of us are on. Uh, Three layers. Uh, How does it fit? Watching people with their masks below their noses uh, can set people off. Uh, Then there are the people who get set off by a mask being worn. They are very controversial on many levels, but at the root of where we're at in this pandemic with Omicron, they are a necessity for our layers of protection, the layers of protection that go with vaccination, vaccination, masking, physical distancing, washing hands, staying home when sick. These are all pieces of the puzzle that we have learned over these last two years. Uh, Wanting to get to the specifics of masking now, we are connecting with Dr. Lynn Filiatro, a retired emergency physician and member of Protect Our Province, BC. Uh, Doctor, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, you're welcome. Can you help us sort of navigate our way through? I, I, for me personally, I'll just my personal experience was going in for my shots, going in to be vaccinated. I would come in wearing my three layer, well fitted. I have a massive head. Uh, it's just a thing. Uh, but I had my uh, OPS, my Overdose Prevention Society mask that is like super layered and good. And I go in and they say, you need to take that off and you need to put on this flimsy disposable mask. And I thought, why? Why, don't, why right. do we have to do that, right? Can you explain why that is? People even going into hospital now are being told to take off their personal mask and put on a disposable one? So uh, one of the big disadvantages we've had in BC, and we're not the only province, is that public health, along with infection prevention and control, have from the word go uh, believed that the virus is spread through droplets. And it's informed everything we've done, so from surface cleaning to, um, like you say, flimsy, poorly fitted mask. And unfortunately, what um, has come to be shown by many studies and many uh, super spreader events is that the virus 
is spread through aerosol, much smaller droplet. And essentially, it's like um, having somebody smoking. And when they are um, talking, they are spreading the aerosol, unbeknownst to them, because many people spread uh, the virus before they develop symptoms. So what we found out is that these small aerosols don't respect the two-meter rule. That two-meter rule was set for um, droplets. So if you and I were in studio right now and I was infected and I had a flimsy mask, the aerosol could come out of the edges of the mask and would basically, sure, if you're closer to me, you'll get more of the cigarette smoke in your face. But even if we were at two meters distance, if we're spending enough time together in a poorly ventilated uh, and air filtered space, at some point there would be enough virus concentration that you would be at risk of um, inhaling it. And worse is if I left, the virus can stay suspended in the air for up to hours. We don't know exactly how long, but we've seen that where uh, people leave the room and lo and behold, another group comes in and people start to get sick. Like the measles. Um, And this is something that, you know, we, as humans, we have had to deal with uh, viruses of varying degrees um, throughout history, clearly. Um, Mm -hmm. What we're dealing with with Omicron feels exponentially higher in transmissibility. I mean, the number of people, we all know somebody who has tested mm-hmm. positive now, you know, suddenly, as opposed to two years ago when uh, SARS-CoV-2 was first on our radar and everybody was calling it coronavirus before we got COVID, before we got beta, before we got Delta. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we've all been on this scientific trajectory. And at the root of right now, doctor, so many people just want to know what mask they should wear. What mask can they find? What should should everyday citizens be seeking out PPE, healthcare level PPE, and ninety five masks to wear to the grocery store? No, and I think that it's a bit of an equity issue. So, to the people that really um, have difficulty sourcing and accessing other masks, if you have one of those medical masks, the blue mask, the, yeah. itself, it's filt- the filtering is not bad. The problem is the fit. So there are braces you can put on top or even you can use a cloth mask on top and make sure that it sits on your face tightly. Um, So you know that if it's fogging your glasses, that means you don't have a a tight fit. So if you're able, yeah, if you're able to uh, do you know, if you're able to access a um, what we call a respirator, a KN95 or a KF94, and there's a lot that are made in Canada now. We don't even need to use South Korean or Chinese-made uh, masks. And, and some of them are sold in bulk, and they're not that, all that expensive. So being able to access that is ideal. Or Dr. Lynn, just let me tell people who you are so they understand that you're coming at this from a position of really knowing what you're talking about. Dr. Lynn Filiatro is a retired emergency physician and a member of Protect Our Province, BC. And I think the big takeaway here, and and carry on please with, with tips, but if your glasses are fogging up, your mask doesn't fit right. If your no. mask is super comfortable, your mask doesn't fit right. Like it's supposed to be difficult to blow air through your mask. And that was one thing that um, 
Dr. Brian Conway from uh, Vancouver Infectious Diseases said, if you can hold your hand in front of your mask and blow and feel wind on your fingers, your mask isn't good enough. That's true. Or it can come from the sides, right? And and it comes also because... Um, you know, you can also, people don't put it really tight against their face. But I would, I would disagree that it needs to feel uncomfortable. It doesn't have to. The, the, um, the KN95, the KF94s, the respirators, they're super comfortable. And they're a lot easier to wear because they don't always fall off because they right. fit so well. But they need to be adjusted to your face. The mask my husband wears doesn't fit my face. So you want to be careful about the fit. And if you have a beard, well, then it's even harder to get a good seal. So it's about fit. It's about um, being able uh, to filter. So that's why we're saying higher grade respirator mask. Um, And then it's also about function. If you can't breathe through it, you've got a problem. So if, if, you know, all people have access to are the medical mask. There are strategy of crossing at the ear, or there's also nodding and tucking that people can see on um, online. And if really it doesn't sit close to your face, so it's puffing, we call them the baggy blues. If, it pu- if it's puffing, then consider buying a brace that will push it down on your face, or else, um, like I said, you can use even your cloth mask to push it further down on your face so then you have fit and filtration. And then, Such- and then we go to respirator mask. The N95, really, people, you know, I use an N95 on a plane because I'm spending yeah. five hours on a plane and I want the best mask. But to be honest, uh, Jody, I don't take it off. Like, I get on a plane and it stays on a plane because the risk on planes, even though they do a great job with ventilation and filtering, is everybody takes it off to have lunch at the same time or to have snacks. And or you're sitting next to somebody who basically is doing the snorkeling job with the nose sticking out. Right. And there is that aerosol piece of the puzzle again. It, it The virus doesn't care if you're just taking it off for a minute. Uh, I had Jason Tetro on uh, speaking uh, just yesterday, we had a caller requesting, you know, what about airlines that don't have vaccine policies? Can I still fly on that? And his answer was basically what you just said. I would put on that high grade uh, N95 mask and I would not take it off. It would go on prior to boarding and it would not even come off for a second until I was off that plane. And nothing is uh, 100%, but we're all trying to do as much as we can. And and Dr. Uh, Filiatro, you have given us great ideas and, and really hacks in order to try and turn the masks we have into the greatest protection we can possibly garner from them and, uh, and some great advice across the board. I would just add one thing. If the longer you have to be in an enclosed setting where you have no idea how how often there's air exchange and what's the filtration, you need a higher quality mask. And right, right now, what every one of us needs to do is say, do I really need to go in an enclosed setting with people I don't know outside my bubble and that may not be wearing a high quality mask? So every decision we're making right now is... Do I really need to expose myself at this point? And 
probably the worst setting to be on in right now in an Omicron wave is anywhere you're going to be removing your mask. So think about indoor dining. Plexiglass, there's nothing magic about plexiglass. They're for droplets. They do nothing for aerosol. In fact, they can be damaging because if you and I are having lunch in a restaurant and I'm infected and we're surrounded by plexiglass, the virus is going to concentrate and you're at higher risk of getting it. And finally, I would Oh, sorry. Can I say one more thing? Sure, sure. Right now, fully vaccinated is three dose. Yes. So asking for a vaccine passport is not helpful at this point because the people that are the most protected against infection and spreading it are people that have three doses. Right. So, but two doses on board is very, very important and key in order protecting oneself. So, so let's make sure that the message is very, very clear that two doses is very important. Totally, totally. I don't want that to be twisted by people who wish to twist. Yes, no, you're totally right. right? And it could easily. So so even one dose, we encourage anybody to come up and get one dose, as you heard Justin Trudeau, our um, prime minister, say. But right now, in terms of vaccine passport, there are limitations. Totally. Get get boosted. That's the message from Doctor. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your expertise and taking the time out for us today and giving the advice on what so many people are worried about, which is how to mask up properly to protect themselves in a time of Omicron. Thank you for this. Take care. Thanks for all you do. Jody Vanson for Mike Smith. I think that's an appropriate tune. It's kind of like Rocky running up the stairs, fists in the air, feeling it. Uh, We welcome back one of, well, one of our best friends somebody we've missed greatly. And I know that a lot of people listening right now have missed you too, Eric Chapman. Welcome back. Where you been? I've been, I've been, I've been on short-term disability. And just like Rocky, I'm sweaty right now, just, yeah. just to bring you right. Let's immerse everyone, bring you in with me, Jody. Yeah, I'm just nervous. I'm sweaty because it's been a while. So, But yeah, I, I took um, three months off because around October 1st, I hit a mental health wall and I broke down. And here we are today after three months of... Well, struggle, to, okay, to say so the you, least. You take a deep breath here because I want our listeners yeah. to know, just if, if you or someone you know has been feeling fragile or off or have been struggling, feeling overwhelmed or even possibly de- depressed, tune in for this next 20 minutes or so with Eric Chapman. This journey, it ends well. And I think that is a very important piece of this puzzle. And I already... Well, I'm sending you my love and support because you're very Thanks. brave with sharing <laughs> what many people feel uncomfortable in sharing. So um, people who know and love you and have been following along have absolutely noticed you have not been here. So short-term disability since yeah. the beginning of October. Look back now for us, if you will. Look back. Did you notice that you were having issues? I, I did and I didn't. I think, and I think that's, it tags along to what you just mentioned there to, to this is, this, I just know it's everybody right now. And, and, and what I mean by that is, as you know, I, you know, I talk about mental health all the time. Um, so I'm aware of the things and I, and I did recognize them, but I think just looking back on it, maybe it's because of COVID and, and we're all so used to putting things on a shelf and just prioritizing the day, you know, and catching up on things later and giving that time later. Well, we forget. And then it's two days later and that thing's still on the shelf. And then three days later, you had to put another thing on the shelf. Well, that's two things on the shelf and you haven't got to the first thing. And then, you know, the next thing you know, 
um, you know, you, you are where you are if you were in a mental health situation. And, and for me, it was, you know, I, I started with the loss of a dog and I'm going to cry the whole time. Aww, <laughs> and then my Oma yeah. died, who yeah. raised me of COVID. So get vaccinated and please stay home because she died of COVID, nothing else. Um, my mom battled cancer the whole time and almost died. Uh, my dad, who was estranged for 15 years, he died and I found out he lived 20 minutes away from me. So that was a struggle. And yeah. then I ended up with his dog after he died. So that was a thing. And then I made some, uh, some choices in my professional life that got some things taken away from me. So it just all bottled up. So I noticed it was happening, but, you know, I just, I just kind of put it to the side and just let it happen. When did it come to a peak for you? When did you realize that th- this, is, this, is, this is bigger than something that I can just schluff off or put on a shelf? I was, uh, I took some time, right before I took, it was October 4th, I think I came back for a day, but I was on, um, I had taken holidays. And that's the thing too, I hadn't been, take time off, like, yeah. <laughs> if you can, I hadn't taken a holiday in three years. Anytime I took off was like, help someone move or not a holiday. So I was on my way to visit my mom up in uh, Sointula, which is North Island. And um, I just got off a conference call off a project I was finishing up for some freelance stuff. And I just, I lost it on the ferry. I was, I was about to go to this awesome place and see my mom who was so much healthier in a happy place and a nice home because she struggles in life. And I lost it and I couldn't move out of my car. I was on the ferry and I just curled up with Teeny on my lap and I just cried and I was shaking. And <laughs> that's when I realized, okay, this, this is, this is balled up. And then and then uh, what decided to, for me to take time off was the day I got back, my first day back for work, I was, I got up, I sat at the edge of my bed, I literally fell over, I curled up in a ball, shaking and crying in an anxiety attack. And Aww. so I'm, yeah, I made an appointment with my doctor and boom, he uh, wrote me a note and booyah, he, uh, right there, right then and there, my doctor's been awesome, like most doctors are, and he wrote me uh, immediately, uh, Short-term disability time off. Right. You're going to need to take a minute. And also, yeah. you know, I hope uh, you, you did tell me there are no holds barred because you and yeah. I are friends away from work. Go. There were also some, uh, aside from the emotional piece, there were some physical parts of this that, that were, you know, you're like, well, you know, I kind of feel like I'm going to throw up all the time. And I'm well, like, yeah, well, that that, was... that's not normal. <laughs> you're not supposed to feel bad <laughs> all the time. Eric. Well, and that goes back to it, right? Like you just, yeah. you, it's, it's weird to say, but you get used to feeling bad. Yeah. And yeah, no, no, I felt like <laughs> the only way I can describe it is if, if you've ever spoke in front of an audience, the nervous or, you know, ask someone on a date that nervous butterflies, but it's also like I have to poop and I have to throw up at the same time. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that's the constant feeling. As soon as I woke up in the morning, that's where I was for, for my day. And, and just, and yeah, and I developed, <laughs> I developed a rash on my chest even. A oh, stress man. rash, for goodness yeah. sakes. Yeah, so it was, it was, oof, it was a thing. <laughs> it was a thing. And then, you know, and you and I spoke when you're like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some, some time off. And then we would talk almost daily um, when you were starting to take that time, how long did it, yeah. how long did it take you to allow yourself, frankly, you are so oh. driven and determined and all about everybody but yourself. Um, <laughs> it, seriously though, e, like, know, you know, problem. It's a problem. It, but how long did it um, take you to, to go? You okay, just, wait, um, here we go. I'm yeah. still, I'm still wrapping my head around it. Like hundred yeah. percent. Like I still like the, the, I did it. Yes. But the guilt 
and shame that I had because that's that's part of my issue that I'm learning and things like that. I have I feel unworthy of love and support and appreciation. So getting support for my mental health from work, which, which I, and I usually don't give giant corporations props, but good Lord course was fantastic and it was really good to me. So don't let that be a, a, a burden to you. If you're struggling, I'm, I can almost guarantee your help, your work will be able to help you. But so that's a great tip. Can we, can we, can we just let that yeah. tip sink yeah. in there though? Like having, when your employer, whoever your employer might be, says yeah. that there is therapy here for you, it's not a ruse. It's yeah. actually... Take it. Yeah, it's available yeah. to you. And, and therapy should be available to every Canadian. I mean, that's a whole other bigger yeah. conversation. But well, let's I go mean, into... Yeah, my my what... therapist is going to be by a yacht with the amount of therapy <laughs> I've gone to over the last... But, but to the decision, it was the guilt that was attached to yeah. it because I made yeah. the decision. But man, I'm, I'm still like, I feel uncomfortable even coming back. I feel like... Hey guys, I'm back. I'm sorry to let you down. You know, I've been yeah. doing away, doing this thing. And you have to, You're coming like, back all so careful. Would... Come on. <laughs> oh, he's back. Eric Chapman is back in the saddle. He's got his mic. It's flipped to the on position. Red light means go when you're in the broadcast business. And uh, Eric, you're helping people. Uh, getting inundated with DMs and messages and Twitters on fire. Everybody's tuning in because they've, oh they've missed well, you. They've missed you. Can, can I just digress really quick? I, I'm going to sure. go back a couple segments here because I like to pay attention to things when I go on the radio. How, how big is your head? My you head? Said you had a it's big, huge. Yeah, oh, I have a huge head. I have like You're such a tiny large. person. <laughs> no, my head. It's a TV thing, though. It works for people. Most people on TV have extremely large heads. I would take an extra large, extra large uh, like cowboy hat. If I was going yeah. to like pretend yeah. I was Beth Dutton on Yellowstone and I needed a hat, I'd have to go to the men's section and get an extra large. I'm not, I'm not kidding. It's bad. That's it's, great. Sorry. Thank you. Anyway, okay. thanks no, for listening. Don't be sorry. Own your head. Own your massive Lots of melon. brains, baby. Lots of brains. Okay. I'm going to take you to your place yeah. now where we were on the other side of the break, Eric, for those just tuning in, Eric Chapman, CKW contributor. You know him. You love him. We've worked together for years and years. We're friends away from the office. I've been watching you on this journey. I'm so proud of you. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart, not just because you're doing the best things for yourself to be healthy, but also that you're sharing this because it's difficult to share. There's stigma here that you're busting through. And and as soon as you knew that you were feeling better, I'm coming back. You're I want to talk this through with you, Vancy Pants. That's what you said. <laughs> so let's get to it. Therapy, medication. Mm -hmm. uh, how did that unfold for you? Well, the, I mean... <laughs> The work, it's work. It's so much yeah. work. Like you have to work on one thing just to get to one thing for another thing. So it, it can be overwhelming. So I can understand why sometimes, you know, you don't get into it or you don't want to. But um, I'd, always, I'd always been open to medication and the discussion had always been at the forefront when I, when I talked to therapists or my doctor. And I was never afraid of it. And, 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 I, and I talk so much about the stigma attached to it. But even, even so, and even talking to you, Vancy Pants, like, I'm okay with pills. I can say that now, and I could say that before. But when I was sitting in front of my doctor, and he left, he said, I'm thinking about medication. I was like, whoa, 
whoa, dude, medication. Am I crazy? You know, and you go through it. Like, honestly, yeah. you go through that. Am I crazy? What are you talking about? Can I remember to take a pill? Am I 90? Do I need that little Monday through Friday thing now? Do I got to get multivitamins? <laughs> like, do I have to take a pill for my stomach to help with these pills, which I do, which is, you know, it's a whole thing. So it's and intimidating. Take but us I on said the journey, yes. though. Yeah, you said yes. And then you yeah. started taking them. And then you're like, well, this is weird. I remember we went for yeah, a walk with, a f- with your dad's dog, with your dog, with Charlie, y- Charlie, your beautiful Charlie. He's so great. <laughs> but we're going for a walk and you're like, yeah, so, you know, I'm a few days in and I'm yeah. kind of, you know, how did it feel at first and how does it, how does it evolve when you stick with it? It's, um, it, it's, it's a, the best way to describe it is a fog and, and the best way to deal with the fog is to do the most the the thing that your body goes that your 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 fight or flight kicks into like it's yeah. you're walking into a fog you don't know what's in there you don't know if there's a cliff you don't know if there's a dog you don't know if there's a politician there ready to start blabbering on about something and just like what are you doing here you know so you walk into this fog so that's what it is so this it's the best way to describe it is you know I just I can think, you can think straight, but there's this haze on my head. You can almost feel it physically. And, and once I got used to that, then the next step was walking into it and understanding that once I did, all the, the trepidations that I had, all the, all the worries about losing my creat- creativity, will I be as good? Will I sing as badly as I have been? Or will I sing better? <laughs> all these questions go through your head, but as soon as you step into it, you realize, Oh, everything's exactly the same. It's, I'm be it's okay. actually it's warm yeah. and fuzzy in here, and it, yeah. it, it, it's okay. This fog is actually good, and what the fog is actually doing, if we want to get a little neuroplasticity scientific, is what it's doing. It's re. You're, I was reprogramming my brain, the neural pathways, the synapse. So yeah. So I, I explained it as a rut or a groove. So my brain is in this giant groove that I've been in for so long in this rut. But these pills allowed me to step out of that rut and experience the new neural pathways. And so that's, that's kind of what it was like. And, 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 and once in a while when I was experienced, like even this morning, cause I had an anxiety attack before work today, because you know, first day back, I'm nervous, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But I was able to get through it hundred percent. You know, I, I triumphed. It was awesome. But you know, you, you use it, you know, you use those, um, those, the, those techniques and that way of thinking. And that's kind of, I lost my train of thought again. See, No, I love that though. No, no, no. What you said is really important because you did, you just exposed that vulnerability. I had another, like, this is not a cure-all. I still have my days that are, they're difficult. Right. But, but at the root of that is, I think the importance of you walking into that fog is how much I, I'm going on the assumption, please correct me if I'm wrong here. Yeah, it was yeah. more debilitating to fear the fog than it was to yes. walk into it. Oh, 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 out of the park. You're Babe Ruth, 100%. Yeah, that's it. And 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 back to what I was, the, the point I think I was trying to make about um, in the fog and, 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 and those new neural pathways and learning that new way, like, it's... It's scary, but it's also like invigorating. It, 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 you can, yeah. you gain so much power from stepping out and, and taking those steps from yourself. It really, it it's, was so powerful and so awesome.